Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Tonight, we're going to be talking about one of our favorite favorite figures, I guess, and that is David Platt. So David Platt will be on the hot seat tonight as we dive into his church, its lawsuits, a lot of complicated things going on with David Platt's church. So we're going to be trying to break this down. And Anthony here wrote an article about McLean Bible Church and David Platt and a bunch of the other stuff going on over at that church. So that's going to be the backdrop for the discussion tonight. And we're going to get into that and a little bit more. So uh, how's everybody doing tonight? And if you have questions, feel free to drop them in the chat and also hit that like button just to help us out quite a bit. Uh, we'd appreciate that. So anyway, uh, the McLean Bible Church, uh, you wrote an article over the Evangelical Dark Web about the NAM conspiracy involving McLean Bible Church. Uh, what is the highest level overview of that? you can give us i mean highest level overview is that mclean uh, bible church essentially became an sbc church they received a lot of monetary benefits on the back end so they gave money up front which is what the latest lawsuit or the latest legal filing has alleged is that they gave three hundred seventy five thousand dollars. then they received either material benefit or otherwise to their own church planning network called New City. It's called New City Church Planning right now. It was branded previously under New City Network. So basically they gave money to the SBC. The SBC through NAM would essentially help their own church planning organization. And then the lawsuit also alleges that the you know personnel overlap between NAM and New City Network is undeniably an S them hiring an SBC employee or a North American Mission Board employee named Cliff, uh, Clint Clifton. So basically they became an SBC church. They operated a church planning organization that was fairly SBC. They're not entirely exclusively. And this is all. Neither is the North American Mission Board entirely and exclusively Southern Baptist. And I do mention learned. that. That's kind of a weakness in the complaint is, is that they say that they were planning exclusively uh, Southern Baptist churches, even though the North American Mission Board does not necessarily plant majority Southern Baptist churches. And the other, I guess, angles that we've looked at is the dots of wokeness and a liberal drift, further liberal drift within their church planning organization, as well as a money trail, because we might have identified certain churches that received large, substantial loans from NAM through this, uh, through the connections of New City and the DC area. And NAM, as we've previously covered on Evangelical Dark Web, is kind of like McDonald's. And I mean the Ray Kroc McDonald's, where it operates as a real estate uh, company, basically. It, it operates real estate, and they're heavily invested in real estate. There's a lot of homes that they were buying that were materially beneficial for megachurch pastors. And then you get into the fact that they have loan, several loans going out to churches, and I can kind of see why they would have they would attach a liability to a church they've given money to but is that the way we should be doing missions uh it 
pretty ethically shady, especially oh. since Nam is not known for disclosure. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like okay, you're not just giving out loans; you also have for like three hundred million dollars in both stocks and real estate. So why are we doing loans when you have you clearly have the money, and it's not really a dispute that they have this kind of assets. I mean, I would think that the that their loans so they could hold churches more accountable. And if the church like, you know, renegs or wants to go out the deep end, they can, you know, make it an on you know, it's on paper a forgivable loan, but then they can turn it into an unforgivable loan with uh terms and stuff. That's my guess. But you're you know, who knows? At this point, it's the North American Mission Board. They, you know. That's probably what's being investigated because the Southern Baptist Convention is being investigated by the Department of Justice. And if one thing that I heard about that was it was a Southern District of New York, the crown jewel of the Department of Justice that's actually doing the investigation of the North America uh, of the Southern Baptist Convention. And the Southern ba Baptist Convention wants you to think this is about sex abuse and sex abuse cover up. I think it's far more likely that this is a financial thing because it's the Southern District of New York which is where wall street falls under and the sec and a lot of those types of actions from the doj would come from sdny so that's probably why they're being investigated is financial but nam is just super shady and then it ties back to mclean bible church and where we broke new ground on this because yeah, i did a little bit of the work you did pretty much you started the article and I'm like, hold on, I got some little birdies here. Let me contact some birdies that I have and see what uh, they can provide us more context, you know, and stuff like that. So I did a little bit of intermediating between that. But you kind of pursued a different angle to the stories involving McLean Bible Church than has previously been covered by Christian media. And that was the financial aspect with NAM, which is explicitly mentioned in the lawsuit. I know Capstone Report made explicit mention of uh, this, but you kind of expanded. You kind of expounded upon this particular detail about the financial connection with the North American Mission Board, and broke open that because that's probably the bigger. That's that's probably you know their case right there, right that. You know, the, the financial connection is largely the case that they have to establish that the McLean Bible Church was against the bylaws and constitution of that church made an SBC church. I mean, it's probably the strongest evidence that they have. I mean, obviously, if you're giving money, then they give you a church ID number, which basically, I guess, is how they would keep track of which churches gave money. So even though they didn't file the form to become an SBC church because they sent a check, they became, they became a cooperating member. Yeah, they got an account number because they gave money. They were essentially a donor. But so so we can go ahead and pull up the article, but just to do a recap on what previous coverage has established. So there's two different lawsuits involving McLean Bible Church. The first lawsuit alleges is about the voting issue that took place in this was the previous year. This is 2021 when all this went down, if I recall, where they had a vote on a slate of elders and the vote failed the first time around. So they did a do over vote in the middle of a sermon and cleared their voter rolls of potential dissidents or 
uh, people who were not necessarily as active in the church. And this was, I believe, yeah, I'm pretty sure this was 2021 because it had to do with like, how do you monitor who's still attending your church when this was a church that proudly locked down and stuff. So a lot of issues going on there as far as uh, McLean Bible Church's uh, voter rolls going on and how they violate their own bylaws by having a business meeting in the middle of a sermon and stuff like that. A lot of shady practices, which uh, was the result of the first lawsuit, which I do believe was dismissed, but they've appealed to dismissal. The second lawsuit is about uh, McLean Bible Church entering the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, against the church constitution, which explicitly prohibits affiliation with the denomination or convention. So this is a church constitution that is dedicated to its own church autonomy, and they violated this by going into the Southern Baptist Convention without a vote. And it's kind of bizarre because I remember the videos at the time because this was still a lot of this was being talked about almost a year and a half ago, where it's like David Platt and NBC kind of lied about this connection with the with uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. And then all of a sudden, you know, and it was a very bizarre thing to lie about. You know, you kind of made the point, I believe, at the time that they should have just said, yeah, and said, yes, we ordered the code red. That's why you hired me. You know, David Platt would be saying that you hired me to become a Southern Baptist church. Of course. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's kind of the catch 22 with the whole thing is they became a Southern Baptist church in 2016, it looks like, or maybe 2017, but they be, they were SBC before they even hired David Platt. So who the people that hired David Platt wanted to make their church an SBC church. And perhaps it's because, you know, there's some monetary benefits because, you know, they received uh, SBC support for their church planning network. Perhaps they just wanted to be more involved with the missions through the International Mission Board or, or North American Mission Board. But regardless, they wanted to become an SBC church. They then hired David Platt. And it, the other thing I kind of note in the article is it looks like their longest tenured elder is is uh, like SBC trained. So he, I think he went to he went to Dallas Theological Seminary. And they have a whole crop of elders that more or less did not attend the church more than 10 years ago. So they're not going to necessarily be as loyal to the longstanding bylaws that have been in place since, I want to say, 1965 or whenever the church was initially founded. Right. And three of those elders came from last, you know, the vote that they had a year and a half ago. And they, they only have seven. three. Yeah. So three of them came from that or maybe One, some turnover has happened since. And one is uh, one is Platt. Yes. So, and I can't identify how long the uh, like the sixth one or has been going to the church, but you know the longest standing one is like again. You have a lot of members that didn't attend the church prior to 2010. Yes, and the uh, point of uh, the famous point of order, as uh, Cram uh, points out. Uh, where the guy got kicked out for that. So, and the, the question is what's going on with the lawsuit to the liberal NBC. You, you kind of pointed, you brought up off air, I guess the latest update on that. You can share that. Is Yeah. So Cap, capstone report reported the latest legal filing where it looks like McLean responded to the initial filing again by basically saying that the, the definition of affiliation is an ecclesiastical definition, 
or an ecclesiastical term. So therefore, it's not it's a violation of the court's, I guess, jurisdiction to rule on ecclesiastical matters. And, you know, and I kind of point this out in the article when I wrote it, which was before Capstone broke their latest story, which was this is a judge is likely to play it safe and rule this as an ecclesiastical jurisdiction, especially since, you know, these are members that are standing, standing against the church, not necessarily elders or not like one location trying to split from the, the mothership like a Methodist church. So, I mean. That's wild what's going on with the Methodist church and how they have to sue in order to leave because the Methodist church is like, oh, no, if you guys you're you guys are the profitable churches, you can't leave. That's what I think is going on there. It's about the money and the real yes. estate, but it's like the good, all these profitable churches can't leave. We're going to go under. And I, I think like, you know, most of the Texas Methodist churches left or something like that. So it, it's crazy what's going on there. But that's kind of what the McLean church lawsuit kind of lacks is they lack that like legal stronghold to where they could probably like mount a suit because the pastors of, MBC, uh, Gaithersburg or Rocks or Rockville are are um, are trying to separate over the SBC dispute because there's really no one in the elder elder or management level that's doing it. It might not a judge might not be inclined to rule in their favor. And the other thing is, how do you undo what is now? going on like seven years of bad church polity right so how do you rectify the situation what are the actual aims of the lawsuit which again is kind of tough are you just trying to establish uh, a fact a fact of the matter or i'm not sure what the rectification is but again this is kind of the uh pitfall of trying to sue a church to save a church well, uh, so, and we talked about this issue at the time on Evangelical Dark Web for sure, not in a live stream, but we talked about if you have to sue a church to save a church, is that a church that can be saved? And, you know, that's kind of a, you know, again, with the whole you're going to pagans to judge the church. I'm not a huge fan of that. I understand that sometimes believers have to settle things in court because there are no uh, ecclesiastical uh, ways to navigate the situation. That's certainly true with David Sills suing the SBC for defamation. He can't just go to Ed Litton's church on his home field advantage and get that, uh, uh, get that a uh, favor and get them to church discipline Ed Litton. That's not a reasonable expectation. You can't do church dis discipline across autonomous church lines. It just doesn't really work. The Presbyterian church has a different model for it, but again, their model can't even get rid of someone like Greg Johnson. So it's just, it's very difficult. And then it just puts people in situations for the lawsuit land. And that that's rough. And David Platt is kind of a champion at this. I don't think he's been defeated yet. And it's hard to imagine that they will lose this one, in my opinion. But I... Nonetheless, I think what you've uncovered is perhaps a bigger story than the lawsuit itself. And this is kind of what the lawsuit's trying to get at. But from a journalistic standpoint, it's a much bigger issue that they've 
taken all this money to partner with the SBC for their own church planting mini NAM. And then they've left the SBC supposedly you you do go on to say that they've disaffiliated right i would say distance like their church planning organization is kind of distancing itself from mclean and then they're also distancing themselves from uh southern baptist i guess doctrine so they're essentially instead of becoming a nam they're trying to become more like an axe 29 which i would say is a theological downgrade so it's kind of like you it's kind of like, okay, we're going to satisfy you by becoming even more liberal in our All draft. Right. Well, let's hop into the article that you wrote, uh, since that's the backdrop for tonight anyway. And uh, let's just kick it off, because I think we talk a lot about, I think the hypothesis that you pose is that they've actually downgraded is, you know, to me, that the story, to me, that's kind of a major story. They've actually gotten worse as a result of this so we do have our handy dandy conspiracy flow chart which because is a nice visual uh to help explain all this yeah and, and i titled it a joint venture with nam just because that's you know in business when two entities go into business with each other they might form what's called a joint venture so essentially new city church planning was a product of mclean bible church and the S and the North American Mission Board, and then you they hired Clint Clifton, who is more or less a North American Mission Board employee, as their as essentially the management behind their New City Church planning. Now, one thing that I remember, zoom back in on the chart because I want to highlight Kevin Ezell because I do think this provides a lot of context uh, for this story because you you basically say that in 2016 around that time mclean bible church was decided on becoming an, a southern baptist church yeah i would At say least, that was before david platt was hired yes which would be before david platt was hired uh kevin ezell around this time was trying to recruit and court megachurch pastors to join the southern baptist convention and you know that would include like a james mcdonald that would include a couple other high-profile figures, Greg Lowry, I want to say, a uh, couple other high-profile figures to join the Southern Baptist Convention. So McLean Bible Church, being probably the biggest megachurch in this in the Washington D.C. metro area, uh, as far as like celebrity church goes. Yeah, I don't know what a close second would be. I mean, maybe there's something out there, but who knows? But not only uh, that, they're in the richest counties in America. That's probably the uh, bigger deal. Not necessarily the size of the ship, but the uh, motion of the money. And that's the context that I think matters for the North American Mission Board side of things. They were trying to recruit a bunch of mega churches, And this is the story of the McLean Bible Church mega church and their involvement. So let's just uh, run through the article. You can zoom out of our nice little conspiracy web here. Uh, so we also we kind of already touched on the lawsuit, but they became an SBC church, and then, and then of course the thing I wanted to focus on is the church planning organization itself, because you know they basically say over the years they've donated millions to this organization. 
and then you have mysterious financial transfers and then of course the connection of clint clifton and the sbc entities so i guess the first object object is let's see what the connection is between clint clifton and sbc and nam so just kind of walking through their own lawsuit or the legal filing to i guess assess the accuracy of their of their claims of course i kind of begin the notion that you know and mclean became a sbc church and this again this i open up with the notion that they wanted to become an sbc church that's why they hired david platt and then, of course, they had an even Christian Post kind of reported on their financial relationship. So this is 2016. So when the word was that their prior cha- uh, pastor, Sol- Solomon, is it Dan Solomon? Dan or David or something like that, I think. But yeah, when he left, when he was outgoing, they were beginning their partnership with the North American Mission Board and, and International Mission Board. So that's when a lot of that began. So Clint, Clint, Clint Clifton is the first central figure that you bring up. Yes, I mean... Lon Solomon is the name. Uh, and uh, Jamie uh, Starfish points out, I grew up in the uh, D.C. area and visited at NBC many times while Lon Solomon was the teaching pastor. He, it was a truly fine independent church with excellent teaching and wonderful people. And that's all I've really heard was that this was an amazing church prior to David Platt, the destroyer of organizations, taking over. Although, as you point out, there were some uh, elders that had their own agenda that wanted to make this a Southern Baptist church. And also pointed out by you is that the elders have had a lot of turnover since 2010. A lot of elders that don't have traditional or as traditional ties to church leadership yeah and again that's how you change i mean that you know when you have a turnover like that that's how you change an organization so 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 clint clifton so the background on him is he's a pastor of a of a what's called pillar church in dumfries uh, virginia so that's kind of a it's part of what's called the praetorian project and their mission is to plant churches in nearby military installations so. That's such a weird name for an organization. Because when you think of Praetorian, you think of the Praetorian Guard of Rome, and who I, generally have a reputation for killing an emperor and then selling the throne to the highest bidder. Yeah, I mean, you know, it started off good. with It, it did start off good. And I think America needs some sort of Praetorian Guard. Well, that's a hot take for another day. But, but as you can see... You know, a lot of their uh, running with that. A lot of their locations are going to be in Virginia. Got a little bit in North Carolina. Obviously, Oceanside. So that's you know pretty much like San Diego. A lot of military out there. Obviously, DC. This one's probably the major one for this article. Um, Woodlawn, Virginia. Again, more California, North Carolina, and then I think they're going into San Antonio. Again, and then Florida. Again, I think Air Force is on the panhandle. And obviously Norfolk, that's big military right there. 
Um, and then, of course, Okinawa, major U.S. military installation. Um, and one thing I point out about the Okinawa branch is it's not necessarily SBC. So, I mean, I, mean, I don't think the SBC claims churches that are overseas, like even churches that are planted by NAM in Canada aren't don't stay SBC churches, which I'm not really sure why. But, you know, considering the state of Canada right now. Uh, I mean, I don't think Canadians would be conservative voting, a conservative voting block for the SBC anyway, but. So, I mean, I mean, this organization, it's kind of SBC. I mean, this is, this right here is the Baptist faith, faith and message is their faith statement. And you'll notice that a lot with a lot of these churches that, that uh, New City Network is, or is partnered with is that they have, they are more or less SBC in their faith statements which I don't know if that's just a clause to receive NAM support or whether they just do that because, you know, copy and paste a pretty robust faith statement. Right. And we're going to talk about the uh, faith statement of the uh, new city church planting later in the stream for sure. Uh, but I mean, but even on his bio for, and this is his, website as a pastor clint clifton's yes so you know it says he is a research director of research and strategy for the north american mission board now the link doesn't actually do anything it just takes you to the nam uh website for the dc sense city which it doesn't i don't think it has his face on there but more or less he is an sbc and nam employee and he does write for nam their church planting blog yeah, they have a magazine. Uh, Which, I'll be honest, is kind of cringe. I mean, all the church planting advice, it just seems very uh, weird. It's BuzzFeed-ish. Uh, eight ways to uh, get people to show up on Labor Day weekend or something. Yeah, like yeah I mean. <laughs> listicles. It's like the most, I thought men are supposed to be pastors, and it doesn't seem like articles men would read. But Yeah, it's <laughs> one way to put it. Uh, so you, you talk about this church being per, or Clint Clifton being just a company man. He's a company man for the North American mission board. Uh, and then you kind of name drop Ed Stetzer. So, so yes, he fit into this picture. So or these are just some of the affiliations he has. And again, I just took from people that were in his Twitter mentions. So you have Ed Stetzer, Kevin Ezel and Trevin Wax. So again, Ed Stetzer, uh, nine marks is, I guess big into church planning as well. And Ed Stetzer's not nine marks. Or, Ed Stetzer is Outreach Magazine, uh, Church Leaders, which is underneath that. And he was, I believe, at one he he used to work officially for the Southern Baptist Convention, I think, in some capacity, but no longer anymore. He's gone off and independent, and he can he's spreading his church growth guru nonsense to a bunch of hyper charismatics, I guess. And that's where you'll see if see in the conspiracy chart. So the Lucent the Lucan movement is uh he is their North American ambassador. <clears throat> so basically there's connection theologically between New City's new theology and Ed Stetzer. And then these two of course know each other. Yeah, and we'll talk about the Lucan Lucan movement. I've heard that I've read that a lot more than I've heard it said because uh, 
it doesn't come up often, but you see it in a lot of ministries uh, that are liberally drifting. You see that is their faith statement, which we'll talk about in the uh, towards later in the article, I guess. So, so one of the churches, like, and again, I'm in kind of looking through their churches. I mean, some of them are more or less doctrinally SBC, others are not. I mean, and I, again, Pillar DC, which is the church of interest, they were actually featured in the Annie Armstrong uh, campaign videos. So a lot of the, the videos churches might show to get their members to contribute to these offerings that this church was featured in. And I mean, they doctrinally hold to the New Hampshire Confession of Faith, which is basically like a Calvinist uh, doctrine of faith, though for 1833 it's actually moderately calvinist not full-blown even though by today's standards it would be more or less a calvinist uh faith statement well compared to 1689 or yeah i mean compared to anything that came before yes but and the other thing i highlight with the praetorian project is that you know for a movement that targets military installations and you know wants to do this I don't say bootlicking, but let's be honest, they want to appeal to the veterans and service members. I mean, they were pretty inactive on the Biden vaccine mandate for the troops. So which I be- I do believe just ended. Officially, yes. But and, you know, and I, I want to say the one of the Democrats who voted for that was Ilhan Omar. Which is ironic because it's ironic that she's the most moderate Democrat in Congress. But pretty much, I mean, you know, again, this is a pertinent issue for the military and their target demographic as far as their target uh, outreach. And they were pretty much radio silence. Like not even like a vaccine exemption letter or something. Yeah, like John MacArthur was doing that. And so so were a few other churches. They were getting really loose about that. And I don't blame them, Uh, you know. We'll give you a vaccine exemption card if you ask us for it. And I know you, we had a template on Evangelical Dark Web for that at the time, uh, just to know, you know, just to share our history on this issue. And you edited one as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I edited it to take out language that would make it seem like the vaccine was either safe and effective. So I, because my, my premise and thesis would be that it is neither. And that, that is one reason why you cannot mandate something, but. Right. So then I transitioned from Clint Clifton to new city church planting, which is, I basically call a regional NAM. So So, this is where the money is going. Like you're basically saying that NBC McLean Bible church gives money to North American mission board who gives it back to this joint venture yes and again they're also sharing uh personnel knowledge so human capital as well with clint clifton so clint clifton is someone in charge of this yes he's the director um and he's a nam guy yes so he, he wears a lot of hats so you know good for him but you know if you're trying to say that you're not an sbc entity then you know not the guy i would hire But, you know, when they, so in 2022, they distanced themselves from NAM or from uh, 
McLean Bible Church by saying they matured into an independent autonomous group with an emphasis on training and equipping churches to multiply throughout the country. McLean Bible Church has been an amazing place for this network to grow and send planters. And we are thankful for this incredible partnership over the years. So, so you know, that is the church planting organization saying that. Yes. So they're pr pretty much saying, yeah, we're, you know, we're branching out on our own now. Well, and the whole multiply go wrong and the whole sending churches to multiply, you know, it's kind of the whole NAM language, church growth language that you see with a lot of these planting organizations, multiplication, which, you know, they, a lot of emphasis on that. That's kind of one of their buzzwords. Um, but, you know, I kind of make the case that they, they did move out of, Vienna, Virginia into Washington, DC within 2021. And I basically use like Wayback Machine to, I guess, verify this because one of the things I'm trying to do is see if they've received like a financial loan from North American Mission Board. And I can at least prove that by December, they were out, they were essentially moved out and moved into Washington, DC. And of course, if you go back to their archives, they were very forthright that this was a partner organization of the North American Mission Board. So a lot of the badging that they don't have on their website, they used to have a lot of uh, North American Mission Board branding on their website. So at one point in time, this website had branding from not only the okay, it's City Church Planting Network, right? Or uh, New City Church. New City Church Planting was had branding of McLean Bible Church and the North American Mission Board. Uh, I'm mainly emphasize. I'm pretty. I'm not sure how much they had for McLean, but they did have uh, pretty much partnered with the North American Mission Board. And then, okay, the, McLean the Bible Network. Church would have had New uh, City Church Planting on their website. Yeah, it's their organization. And they were headquartered in Vienna. So it's basically you know, the HQ church. And then one of the points that you made, or one of the points that someone else made, I believe it was the guy at the Servants and Heralds made, was that this was the same address in Vienna, Virginia? No, no, no. That that gets That's where we get more woke connections. Okay, so I'm jumping ahead. Yes. So we have an organization, the Joint Venture, which has ties to both the North American Mission Board and McLean Bible Church. Yes. And a lot Very of their complicated cons conspiracy, but wait, there's more. And a lot of their churches are going to be, you know, SBC or their partner churches are going to be SBC church plants that are on the send network or they're like documented on the map that NAM has of like all the SBC churches and all the church plants that they have. So, and if you look at the map, you'll actually see a bunch of dots in the mid-Atlantic area, which kind of makes you wonder, do we really need more church plants or do we need to equip the churches that are there to expand on their own? But Yeah, I always thought that the North American Mission Board was kind of a cannibalizing organization in some ways. And then you got like the state of West Virginia where there's like little emphasis. But they, they prefer putting more churches in uh, urban areas. Yeah, and that's, I mean... And even within their partner churches, uh, 
So are you trying to click that link or? Yeah, let me. So okay. if you look at some of their partner churches, this is, and this is the current, not the way back, that you'll see, you know, City Church. Uh, obviously, Pillar Church, King's Church is, I don't even know if this is a church, with their church plan or just like one that's partnered. Again, City Light, Redemption City Church, Haven City Church. So it's like Calvary Chapel, but with City. Yeah, pretty much. Um, At least for a lot of these. And again, a lot church. of the yeah, that was weird. That's an that's, that's also, a weird name for that's a also an SBC church plant. Um, so which one of these is not SBC? I mean, I don't. Oh, McLean Bible Church is on there. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously a partner church, like Lake City Church. Um, so other than McLean Bible Church, potentially, which one of these is not SBC? Uh, any of them come to mind or I'm not sure if that one I mean they have I mean you'll see, even see that they have like international so okay so there's because the yeah. people Reykjavik Iceland so this is how you know that the like this is a product of like Clint, uh, Clint Clifton because his Praetorian um, partner uh, church planning organization that I guess one of like the pastor at at pillar church dumfries did imb work with in iceland so that's part of that that's kind of uh, an influence from his days at the imb but and obviously they're trying to branch out into michigan texas and so yes yeah you know, so this is of, kind of becoming absorbed or very integrated with the praetorian project I mean, Given its locations. I mean, I would say a lot of it is they're trying to copy now. And obviously, Texas, a lot you can do there, which... Since we're on the subject of the churches themselves, what exactly, you know, how, how solid are these churches? I mean, the one that, I mean, this one right here, I mean, obviously, New City Fellowship, right? Pretty obvious name. But so well, let me how obvious is it? Well, the director is uh, so the pastor of that church is this guy, Choi Rodriguez. So he's the Hispanic director of New City Church Planning. Okay. So if you look at his church, so his church is one of the ones identified as woke oh really yes what a shock i mean right here on the first page we desire to be a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and marks the disciples for the glory of god and the renewal of our city so again this emphasis on diversity at the forefront of your messaging is again that's where it starts okay so that's just the front page and, and then as you, you read, can see oh, that's the headline here's the article sojourn church uh, is that, you know, familiar with like Sojourners, the uh, network? And then obviously Acts it's a, 29 I, is I a think woke. this one's a really small one. It's, and then a Acts 29 is really So this woke. is basically just a, a Virginia church that's helping them plant. So it's not anything uh, big. I think it was under their vision. It's under their faith statement. 
But I mean, they got Mago Day. Usually, they might slip things in there. But we don't have to spend that much time on one individual church. But the picture is, you know, some of these churches are woke. You're pointing out that one of the leaders of this organization's church is pretty woke. And that's just on their website. They just they fail a website test. Yeah, this one would fail the website test. The other one would be Hill City Church, which is also a North American Mission Board uh, church plant. So this one had the Marxist uh, faith statement. And this would be their Imago Day. This is essentially their Imago Day. On the- and let's just let me read it out loud. Every person has inherent dignity because they are made in the image of God. Therefore, must honor and value every individual by being committed to revealing God's character in the broken areas of racial, social, and cultural injustice, as God calls his people uh, to love the orphan, widow, and foreigner, we are called to pursue and serve the marginalized and oppressed as a primary means of honoring God and loving people. Wow, that is some cringe to put in a faith statement on a church website. Again, they'll they could have just copied like uh, the uh, the Imago Day out of the uh, Baptist faith and faith and message, but yeah, you might as well have just said social justice, racial justice, and cultural justice. And I don't even know what cultural justice is, other than you hate colonialism. Which colonialism's you know, based. I mean, feel free to live without electricity and plumbing, but and get out of Virginia or whatever state this is in. Uh, this one's Maryland, right outside oh, D.C. Yeah, you can college get out Park. of Maryland. So they, oh, college Park, okay. University the, of Maryland. Yes, they target the U- college University of Maryland. Park is. So. And obviously what marginalized could also mean, you know, the Sexual community. minorities. Yes. As they're called. Because so, after I mean, all, and, and again, I know I already did this video, but if even Doug Wilson is, you know, going side B or has gone side B in the in the past wow we got a lot of work to do on this on this issue just gotta say that so obviously some of these churches are not solid yeah i mean others are plain or you can't tell on a you can't tell on a website check and yeah and then we got the next section which focuses on the bank of nam so well uh, unless there's something you want to yeah, I mean, when we talk about the wokeness, I mean, so one thing that the Mass Baptists, and this is over at, uh, at um, uh, Servants and Heralds. Uh, right. So. Servants and Herald also does good work uh, in the discernment so world. They connected New City Network to Duke Kwan, who's basically your woke PCA pastor that's located yes. in the D.C. area. So he do, he it runs what's called Grace Meridian, which again it's your typical woke PCA church. I think one of their locations actually has a a mask mandate still, or at least that's what's listed on their website. So basically, I mean, this guy's more or less openly side B. He also uh, lamented the departure of Greg Johnson from the PCA. And basically, now is he the is he the guy that was like in charge of the uh, Na- National Association of Evangelicals? That I don't know, but because I I wasn't too familiar with him before. I mean, they link him. Basically, their assertion is that 
NAM is sending money to New City Network, and then New City Network is basically in, now in a relationship and affiliated with Duquan because they have the same office space. Because when they moved out of Virginia, they moved into Washington, D.C., and they moved into a building that was the same as as uh, New City Network, uh, or as uh, Duke Kwan's uh, mailing address. So you'll kind of see- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Walter Kim is the PCA guy who's the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. They're not, they don't all, they're not all alike. They, they, they don't all look alike, and they, they don't all have the same names. I just want to be honest about that. So you'll see 637. I apologize for my white gaze. So 637 Indiana Avenue, New City Church Planning. Right. And then 637 Indiana Avenue, Northwest. It's the same location. Right. And Duquan, as we've established, is like the heavily woke guy yes. in PCA. So That's not Walter Kim. So it's essentially the story is that they're uh, – they're sharing office space, and let me see if I can pull up the. And this is their office space. Pot bellies. Yeah, it's a it's, sandwich shop. It's the second, it's like the second or third floor of the sandwich shop of a deli. That's the office space. Yes, that's the office. That's the address. Okay, and this is in uh, DC. Yes. Okay. So nothing, yeah. nothing to see there. Can't say I'm a huge fan of pot bellies. So basically, you have a connection again, going back up to the the flow chart. So we have the connection to the Praetorian project, which again, they're also you know funneling money and connections, and now we have the connection between Duquan and which is the course, location, a direct connection from North American Mission Board. So yes, they're sharing the same office space, or at least a mailing address. But because it's a mailing address, that means you can get a loan. And that loan would be registered under DC because if we go back to April 2022, we talked about how NAM had four loans in the Washington in Washington, DC, totaling four point three million dollars. So the question is who are they lending an average of one point one million dollars to? Because again, that's that's a substantial loan. That's a substantial average. And again, NAM actually reports a state which accounts for more than five percent of their book. So that's generally like larger states, Ohio, Texas, like Ohio, Texas, or California, Colorado. Colorado. So typically <laughs> typically yes. Because I guess they're doing a lot more planting there. Yeah, in the Denver area. They got to get the so, white women of Boulder, Colorado on board with the church. So the first, so again, now we figure out, we might actually understand who these four loans are given to. So we have New City Church Planning. Again, they have an address in the District of Columbia. They were in, they were relocated to DC in 2021 and maybe they got some capital to help the transition. And again, they have the affiliations with Clint Clifton to substantiate a financial relationship, like a loan. Okay, so, so that's one possibility. And the other would be they lent money to Pillar Church DC because this church actually 
uh, purchased a $2.5 million property in D.C. And that sale closed in September of 2021, which would still put it within the fiscal year for now. So a $2.5 million loan, that's, you know, that obviously it's double the average and it's a pretty substantial loan. And, you know, it's a legitimate building as far as it was a previous, I guess, Baptist church relocated out of D.C. They sold their building and this church, Pillar Church D.C., moved in. So, and I guess the issue isn't that they necessarily got a loan. It's that, you know, one, you have a conflict of interest. Uh, with Clint Clifton and his Praetorium project and NAM lending a church $2.5 million for, for its building, which again, they're not, they're not necessarily lending that kind of money to most churches Two, It is a location in DC. So very heavy real estate market, a lot of scrutiny that can go there for any sort of real estate pur purchases, but between like the conflict of interest you know, some people might object to the fact or to the nature of a loan. But the other thing is that a loan of this magnitude should be disclosed to Southern Baptist, I guess, members. So the Baptist should know who is getting that kind of money. Uh, yeah. And you said the the average of the loans was like one. Over, yeah, I mean, four, like four over loans. A million dollars a piece average of a loan. And if one church is getting a million dollar loan, that's kind of a big deal. And you're saying that not only could new city church planting have received a loan from the North American Mission Board. Well, I think Pillars, the Pillar Church. I would say Pillars is the likeliest, call, uh, I guess, the likeliest suspect as far as the borrowers go. Right. And again, until we get something like a financial disclosure out of the North American Mission Board, there's no way to know this for certain, which is a frustration. The, yeah, or the individual church itself, but right. And that's a nicer building than like the other a lot of the other pillar churches have too, because I think uh, Clint Clifton's church is out of like a middle school. It's not in the and sandwich got, shop, also. No, no, they're in uh, Dumfries, Virginia. So they, but yeah, you know, that's probably the nicest location of any of the pillar church uh, church plants. Okay, so now we're kind of moving into the Louisiana Covenant Commitment. Yeah, I'm not great so, at pronouncing because I've only really read it. Uh, so I, you know, they kind of have an ironic phrase on their on their messaging that uh, New City Church, Church Planning has reinvigorated itself with a commitment to serve gospel-hearted, multiple multiplication-minded churches from a variety of denominational streams within the clear orthodox doctrinal framework of the Lucan covenant. And, you know, it's kind of like, it's almost oxymoronic that this is a clear orthodox doctrinal framework, but the, and again, to give you some history, the international Congress on world evangelicalism convened in 1974. And this is where the doctrine was, uh, was decided and kind of, crafted and john stott is the i guess the chief proponent he's kind of the leader of the movement or was and so i guess some fun facts is he was the i think he was like the chaplain for queen elizabeth and 
and he actually was pretty uh, anti-Israel, so I'll give him some credit there. And then I kind of came across that he might have wavered on annihilationism. Well, if he was British, maybe he wanted to not end, you know, British colonialism. But I think I'm hoping too much, trying to give him too much base credentials. So this is kind of the history, and then they've kind of met a couple more times since their next movement is in 2024. And I think it'll be in Korea. Um, and within America, you have John Mark Comer, who's one of the, whose church holds to it. And then, yeah, Ax- and that and comes Ax- from like, and you linked that from my research that I did on John Mark Comer in 2020. So it's been a while since I've touched uh, John Mark Comer. Maybe I should go back and give that verdict that I wrote an update because there's a lot of shade, shadiness surrounding him that I've seen since. You know, he's very mystical. Uh, Hangs out with J.D. Greer, which is a negative sign. And then the Luzan Covenant is just all sorts of red flags. Yeah, I mean, and then you have Acts 29. So a lot of people, when they talk about like the drift of Acts 29, uh, obviously, you know, Matt Chandler's part of it. Uh, Eric Mason's Woke Church was promoted by that organization. I know what Redeemer fellowship kc that was that was acts 29 right uh i i want to say yes and then of course uh driscoll like he was acts 29 right yes yes he was i mean when you got a lot of these you know i think he was their founder so a lot of out there personalities have been more or less planted by acts 29 and then you know, they hold to the Lusanne Covenant, which... Now, how long have they held to that? I don't know, but they make it seem very foundational. On If you go to Acts 29's website... Okay. Uh, I mean, I'll take your I'll take your word for it. I mean, I mean they, they, they put it, like, front and center that, you know, we affirm the Lusanne Covenant and the five distinct distinctives so it's pretty up front and center as far as their beliefs go okay and again you know within the american movement this goes back to ed stetzer and you know they're very much uh, open borders policy they don't want border security and you know there's some i mean it's more of an international thing than a domestic thing which is why I might be skeptical is why is this doctrine being used for church plant for a church planning organization instead of one that's more American and it's and it, I guess it's theology or background again like the New Hampshire uh, confession okay, or the Baptist yeah. faith the message yeah so but just I'm, as a quick fact check Mark Driscoll was the founder of Acts twenty nine in nineteen ninety eight so just a Quick fact check there. So then, I mean, the big problem child within the Lusanne Covenant is Article 5, which is entitled Christian Social Responsibility, which, I mean, I kind of do a little fun fact where, you know, social responsibility in business is basically where the concept of ESG comes from because it's all about social responsibility and, you know, corporate citizenship. So every business student in America probably learns about social responsibility and you just throw a Christian in front of it. 
Right, because Christianity is a value proposition to a bunch of these people. Yep. I don't know if you wanted to read the article itself, but the lot, the sections in it, which pretty much are the problem sections. Now, I got to ask real quick, is Duke Kwan related to Ryan Kwan? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, if, if it's he's, like a, a, he's on Acts 29, so... It, yeah, I'm not trying to say, you know, I'm not trying to get my Asians confused again. But I mean, maybe it's like a Kim thing. But okay, yeah, I can read this. Article 5. Uh, we affirm that both, uh, that God is both creator and the judge of all men. We therefore, we therefore should share his concern for justice and reconciliation throughout human history and for the liberation of men and women of every kind of oppression. Because men and women are made in the image of God, every person, regardless of race, religion, color, culture, class, sex, or age, has an intrinsic dignity because of which he or she should be respected and served, not exploited. Here, too, we express penitence both for our neglect for having sometimes regarded evangelism and social concern as mutually exclusive. Although reconciliation with other people is not reconciliation with God, nor is social action evangelism, nor is political liberation salvation. Nevertheless, we affirm that evangelism and socio-political involvement are both part of our Christian duty. For both are necessary expressions of the doctrines of God and men, our love for our neighbor and our obedience to Jesus Christ. The message of salvation implies also a message of judgment upon every form of alienation, oppression, and discrimination. And we should not be afraid to denounce evil and injustice wherever they exist. When people receive Christ, they are born again into his kingdom and must seek not only to exhibit, but also to spread its righteousness in the midst of an unrighteous world. The salvation we claim should be transforming us and the totality totality of our personal and social responsibilities faith without works is dead so article five that's some cringe that yeah, is I mean, like liberation theology of the 1970s uh basically tampered down for mass appeal i guess i mean i, I just kind of say this this uh phrasing is so vague that you can justify just about any movement using this language critical race theory oh yeah it's about you know oppression and you know you know no i mean they'd have no problem with this language because it's about you know I alienation mean, oppression you and, say that they have no problem in this language but i i might take that up a notch they're relying on this language for cover like, yeah this i mean language was intended to give them cover and again it can cover just about anything communism could technically do this because they're helping out the workers from workers the of the world unite yeah um, so, I mean, there's really, I mean, again, uh, I mean, what, what is oppression? What is alienation? What is discrimination? I mean, these three things, I mean, the, essentially this relies on secular understanding of terms to form your theology. Alienation because, is pretty much a secular term. I mean, and again, are there not things that should be? alienated oppressed and discriminated against i mean obviously there's something called shame 
that we've kind of lost in our society, but you're, you're supposed to kind of shame behaviors that you do not want in your society. Again, this this easily lends itself to side B, that you can't discriminate against uh, two dudes that want to get married. That's discrimination. That's oppression. You're alienating them from society. And the church. So, and again, they might say reproductive justice, i.e. abortion. So, I mean, any A lot, any a lot of euphemisms can be made out of that. Yeah, I and mean, again, I compare that to the uh, Baptist faith and message because there's a there is a counter because if you look at the baptist faith faith and message you have social order which uh-huh. it functions as the same thing uh, i won't say same thing but it functions as a similar article in christian and social order while actually listing out what things should be banned and what things should be opposed racism greed selfishness vice all forms of sexual immorality, including adultery, homosexuality, and pornography. You know, providing for the orphan, the needy, the abused, help, aged, helpless, and the sick. And then on, be- we we should speak on behalf of the unborn. So again, sanctity of human life is included in your from conception to natural death. Yes. So, and again, on a global scale, abortion is prevalent when you have a lot of Planned Parenthood activity in Africa. Obviously, you have a lot of, like, if you go to Russia, which is one of the higher abortion per capita, obviously China with one child. So the idea of actually putting abortion in your faith statement versus the Lucian Covenant, which could pretty much be used to justify abortion or protecting it. So if you, but again, you go from the Baptist faith and message on Christian and social order to the Lucian Covenant on Christian social responsibility, that is a liberal drift. That is a pretty much as liberal drift as you can get without outright taking off the mask. Well, yeah, without going full Episcopalian. So, and, and that is what church, City Church Planting Network has done. Yes. And again, as the Lusane Covenant would eventually do from Article 5, is they would eventually adopt the Manila Manifesto, which would kind of consolidate some of the language a bit. I mean, it's still it's still very unclear unclear on the language regarding justice. And then they add the Cape Town commitment, which is 2010. They're just naming things off of all these places in the world. Yes, that they go to because no no uh, faith statement or declaration is really meaningful unless it's named after a town that's just a fact yeah go frankfurt declaration go not uh not nashville statement uh because apparently nashville statement's not based enough and then the uh dallas statement so so the other thing is that by the time you get to 2010 or the you have what's called the Cape Town commitment, and that is let me see if I can pull it up. It actually take your time. Oh, yeah, let me. Okay, so this is Cape Town commitment. Yes. Uh, let me guess. So this climate is, change. Yes, we love God's world. Oh. So yeah, by the time you that. get to 2010, 
you have climate change now in your faith statement. So basically everything becomes the gospel issue, which means that there's no such thing as a gospel issue because everything's a gospel issue. I'm not sure if it was this one that had the AIDS reference. Me. Oh yeah, you also have HIV. Really? Yes. Does it does it presuppose that AIDS is existent and prevalent in Africa? Just wondering. It's probably because of African AIDS, which you know might be a uh, canard, but you know. Read up on RFK if you want to learn about Africa and AIDS and Anthony Fauci. But basically everything, this is a liberal evangelical movement. So it's basically like the National Association of Evangelicals, but they're a faith statement for them. But the NAE doesn't actually use this faith statement, ironically. I just checked. But that's what this organization sounds like. And to me, maybe this is like an automatic red flag or false teacher, you know, John Mark Comer. And I need to update that article like ASAP. Again, compare that to the to the Baptist faith and master of the New Hampshire covenant or basically a better theological faith statement. And yeah, you can tell that this is a more liberal. It's also very globalistic. Um, so again, instead of modeling themselves after the North American Mission Board, New City is essentially going to become a Acts 29. And, you know, people... That's worse. Yeah. And people of McLean Bible Church should probably be informed that your church is going to even... is going to be planting more liberal churches in the future. So, I mean, if you're looking at the flow chart, you got the money coming in. Obviously, money comes around. They're connected to the Praetorian Project, who, again, also receiving money from NAM. And now you got Ed Stetzer, Lucene Covenant, and Liberal Drift. And again, there's other organizations like Acts 29 could probably be put here as far as, you know, or here as it's adjacent in ideology. So, And, yeah. you know, that's the angle that people aren't talking about with this story is that you know, McLean Bible Church is actually worse for actually disaffiliating with the Southern Baptist Convention. At least on paper, they're disaffiliating. They're actually worse. And yeah, I mean, continued downgrade. Yeah, I mean, when you're so now again, if they're planning millions of dollars in this, that means they're going to be planning millions of dollars into these churches. And, you know, it might not happen, they might not be doing woke church every week or every year, but, you know, in a couple of years, you know, a good percentage of the churches they might be planting might be woke. And then they might be using North American mission board money to do that. So again, NAM is going to be bolstering their numbers through new city planting churches without necessarily uh, faithful or strong theological uh, fortitude. Right. And that takes us to the end. Yeah. And again, I don't, and I kind of make a, I don't say defense of David Platt, but I pretty much say that, you know, a lot of this was in motion for him. He's kind of the product of this, not necessarily the the leader. He's not the visionary of, of McLean becoming an SBC church. Or he was brought on to be the visionary for this vision. Yeah. yeah. And then, the alternative is he was hired, he was hired to do a job and he's doing that job. Except 
like with other organizations that David Platt has run, he's running them into the ground. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're a ways off from knowing whether they're, you know, how McLean has been doing in 2022, but, but I mean, and then I posit that the nature of the lawsuit is kind of unlikely to be successful just because, you know, this was, you're undoing years of church polity and judges are going to be reluctant to engage in an ecclesiastical dispute, even if it's a direct violation of written bylaws. It's a tough sell for that reason. The, the, the lawsuit's a tough sell, so I'm not uh, sure it'll work. It, I believe it failed the last time because of these reasons, or at least the first lawsuit was dismissed on these grounds. The second lawsuit, it, it has to overcome those grounds. And it's a little less wonky. It's a lot more straightforward uh, to prove that they weren't supposed to be fooling around with denominations. But... Uh, yeah, so that does take us to the end of the uh, article, and we do have some time on our hands. Uh, well, since... I, mean, I guess the one issue I wanted to address is, you know, should we even, is there maybe too much emphasis on church planning? You know, again, I made the argument a while back, uh, you know, churches should be investing in schools, not necessarily, not necessarily missions. Or well, schools are missions. And that's the point that you're trying to make. Uh, uh, but yeah, leave the SBC, plan a school instead. Because you know, if you want to grow your church, then yeah, educational resources are a great way to do that because a lot of you know parents and stuff, people like that are going to be looking for child care or you know, they're looking for a church that has avenues for their children. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said critiquing the lack of family integrated worship, but a lot of that's just what a lot of church hunters will look for. And but if you have a educational program, whether it just be hosting co-ops for homeschool or even owning your school outright, because we talked about like Calvary Chapel, um, that those go a long way to helping not only the individual church grow, but fueling Christian education for for children in America, especially when schools are overrun by liberals. And the point that he's making, or the point of this article, as I recall, this was a uh, SBC exit article. The yes. idea that leave the SBC, take that money you were giving to the, you know, to the cooperative program and invest it in your own school. Yeah, because. And investigate it in educating children where you're at. Because yeah, because you give it to Nam, you don't know where that money's going to go. You give it to the seminaries, you don't know what they're going to teach. And you can kind of see the taught. when you have states that are suffering like nine percent and eight eight point six or cities that actually. I mean, we know what the ERLC is going to do with that money. So if you Run got a blog states that are actually seeing decline, that's people that are taking their kids out of public schools. So they're their kids still got to be educated somehow. So that's where the church can step in and fill that void. And yeah, when you're looking at churches that say that they donate like 11% of their money towards the co cooperative program or SBC entities, you know, that's kind of the argument is you can use this money towards educational resources instead. And again, for each church that might look, that's going to look different. Yeah. And, you know, just to talk about the uh, subject uh, of the book that I'm writing, I make an argument about planting churches locally. 
that we should be more locally focused on church planning efforts. That way there's more accountability. There's more assistance you can provide. Uh, just a lot of, a lot of benefits to focusing on local church plantings, uh, local churches focusing and cooperating together on this. I think that's uh, more of a solution than sending your money to a national organization that will maybe distribute it to help you out locally, but probably not because they, you know, Kevin Ezell is what I call the phantom menace of the Southern Baptist Convention. He is a kingmaker. He's pulling a lot of strings because he holds a purse. Uh, he's just following the golden rule, which is he who has the gold makes the rules. And that's that's how the Southern Baptist Convention operates is through the golden rule. So that's why you had J.D. Greer, who was, I believe, one of the beneficiaries of NAM's real estate play. That's why you had uh, Ed Litton, who I believe was North American Mission Board. And, that, and that's also why you have uh, Bart Barber in there now. Not because he's necessarily a, a NAM guy, but because he's an establishment player. He's uh, there to play ball. And he wants to be with the cool kids. And it shows. So that does appear to wrap up our David Platt NBC episode. Uh, it's good to have uh, this type of uh, material out there. Because, again, I thought the article was really good. Uh, it did really well on uh, Twitter. Uh, Bobby Gilstrap, to give him a shout-out, promoted your article, by the way. Uh, but, so, and it doesn't, and it's weird how on this article the site metrics didn't match the uh, other metrics that I saw that said that this article was outperforming it, which is usually backwards. But I'm explaining technical stuff, I guess. So, anyway, uh, any last call, questions? concerns, comments, uh, share them now while I uh, uh, put them in. And I just want to let you know a way you can support Evangelical Dark Web is at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. It's a Patreon-like system that helps keeps the lights on at this ministry effort. We don't really take money from it. We're all volunteers here. But uh, coming up, we do have a book launch that will hopefully happen in 2023 on this book that I'm working on it or it's finished and we're trying to shop a publisher. So that's the stages that we're at right now. And it's called winning, not winsome. And I think it's the perfect title. It's the anti big Eva book and uh, supporters are going to have early access or whatever to that material as well. So there's some extra incentive and excitement uh, to help support, but otherwise I didn't see any questions roll in. Uh, have a blessed day. Leave a drop a like button on your way out. Uh, that's the equivalent of tip tip your waitress, and uh, we will catch you on the next one.